Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis. Join one of the Adelaide 36ers' favourite sons as we deep dive into everything past and present about one of the most storied franchises in the NBL. It's Sixers Fix, your Adelaide 36ers podcast. Here we go! Hello and welcome to another episode of Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis and we're coming to you straight on the back of a big performance from the Adelaide 36ers in Brisbane, first road game of the season and they seem to enjoy playing on the road. It was a, a terrific performance to get back on the on the winners list so we're coming to you crash bang in the middle of this doubleheader against the Bullets so we're looking forward to the rematch now back in Adelaide on, on Monday night. We've got a full show ahead so let's get straight into it. I'm Chris Pike but Scott Ninnis... The man who's had a bit of a tough week, but you'll always be the only man that's been involved in all four NBL championships for the Adelaide 36ers. Starting to feel a bit better, Scott? I am, thanks, Chris. Uh, I survived a very, very serious case of the man flu, but uh, <laughs> you know, thankfully I was able to work my way through it and, uh, yeah, good as gold now. And, uh, yeah, very excited about... Uh, yeah, what we saw last night with the 36ers, I guess if you, you know, as a coach, that's exactly how you want the team to respond after, you know, a pretty poor game uh, last time out against the Sydney Kings. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, I thought it was exciting. I was a little bit concerned in the first quarter, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, they got on track and uh, steamrolled them in the end. Yeah, and it's turned out nicely. I'm, I'm glad that we decided to do things a bit different this week because... Let's be honest. That game last week against the Sydney Kings, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about. That wasn't a wasn't a pretty performance on the the home floor, was it? No, it was awful. You know, it was funny. We, uh, you know, you sort of get a sense before some games, and Brett Murray and myself sat down, and five minutes before the game, and basically at the same time, looked at each other and just went we both got a bad feeling about this mm. and you know Sydney looked buoyant you know in their warm-up they looked up and about you know they looked like you know you knew some of those guys you know weren't going to play as poorly as they did in the previous game and unfortunately you know nothing got, really got going for the 36ers and yeah, it was it was hard uh, it was hard sorting out votes for that game it was hard <laughs> to get three people that you, you thought deserved the votes but uh, yeah once again I mean that's that's the beauty of what's happening at the moment you Get a very quick turnaround and a chance to correct things uh, quickly, which uh, they obviously did last night. Yeah, and, and thank goodness they did. And it was a really good performance last night, which we'll obviously talk more about. But we've got a got a big show planned now this week here on Sixers Fix, Scott. And obviously we'll still have our Australian Motors Play of the Week voting and we'll d- decide another winner of the prize pack there. So we'll do that draw live on the show as we record. And obviously we'll get those votes from the Premium Wine to his Play of the Year award as well and an update the leaderboard there, and we'll catch up with the coach, Connor Henry, in our Ask the Coach segment, thanks to Sports Card World, and, and also this week, Scott, a little bit later than we might have expected, but we thought we'd wait until this guy was back playing to to play the, play the interview with him. Adam Gibson, former captain of the Adelaide 36ers, and I know he's not playing at the 36ers right now, but he's got a lot of fond memories of Adelaide. He captained the club to a grand final. There's not many players that did that, so we thought... Might be a good chance to catch up with, with him as well. So looking forward to hearing hearing from him later on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I tried to recruit Adam, uh, you know, both of the years that I, I was head coach mm. here with the 36ers. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, didn't get him. Uh, who, who knows what would have panned out if you got him in his prime as he was at that, at that time. You're yeah. sort of going back 10, 11 years and... Uh, 
Oh, I definitely wanted him and, uh, you know, like I said, tried to recruit him for both years. So, yeah, look, he, uh, you know, he was with some, you know, certainly some of the most successful times we've had here in the, you know, this last decade or so. And, um, you know, it's great to see him still playing. Uh, you know, obviously getting closer to the end now than uh, the start. But, um, mm. yeah, he's been a, yeah, been an excellent player in this league. And, um, yeah, great to see him uh, still bringing that veteran leadership for the Phoenix. And as we'll find out later, Scott, he's still looking forward to that wine tell. He's going to come back to Adelaide. He's going to be claiming one off you pretty soon. And I bet he wants it for free too. I'm That's sure he does. <laughs> mate, mate, if he if he'd come and played for me, he could have had as many free tours as he wanted. But I, yep, there we he go. might have he might have to pony up for this one. <laughs> he might. But as as I've told him later on, all he had to do was play with the thirty six this year and win our Player of the Year award, and he gets one for free anyway. Yeah, not sure he's quite at that stage of the career that he would have won the MVP of the 36ers this year and uh, a bit of competition, but uh, no, look, happy to look after Adam at any stage. Well, well, we'll see why he would find it so hard once we get to last night's game because Isaac Humphries and Daniel Johnson are in some incredible form right now. Clearly the two best big men in the league right now, I think. So we'll get to that shortly, and it's all thanks to All Star Photos. Thanks to Kelly Barnes for his support of us here at, at Sixers Fixed with Scott Ninnis. So... For all of your club sporting photography needs and to help do your fundraising, get all your team photos done, all your portrait shots, all your action shots, Callie Barnes at All Star Photos will be the man to take care of you. So check him out at allstarphotos.com.au or contact him directly at info at allstarphotos.com.au. Now, before we do move on to last night, because that's where we want to focus, Scott, what were you most concerned about coming out of the, the Sydney Kings game? Because we, we saw a great crowd turn out, the biggest crowd of the season, 7,300 people. But really, it was a game where it never felt like the Sixers were a chance to, to win from the start. We saw that Donald Sloan was sitting sidelines, not suited up from the game. And we found out why later on when he and the club parted company. That's never, that never sets, it sets a good tone. But after that game, what were, you, what were you feeling most concerned about? And then you had a whole week for the club to, to try to find a way to, to rebound. Oh, look, I, I just think it's, you know, I, I was disappointed, uh, you know, that we, we had a chance to sort of, you know, get that win-loss ledger in, in a really good position. And uh, at home, you do need to take care of business, as we've spoken about often. And, and it was just some of the inconsistencies I saw. I mean, like you said, we found out straight after the game, you know, that Sloan was gone and... and mm. You know, I don't think you can measure the impact that that may have had on the team, and certainly, you know, we were we were spoken about that it, uh, you know, was uh, it was obviously a bit of a disruption there. So I think, you know, and, and hopefully, what they showed last night is that, yeah, that was just that 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 one off that uh, you know that disruption with Sloan leaving, you know, may have caused some uh, some problems going into that game, but. Uh, Hey, they, they answered it in the best possible fashion. So uh, I'm I'm not not 100 disappointed that Sloane's gone. I, I think he probably wasn't as advertised. Um, uh, you know, he, he was able to hit some big shots, but uh, yeah, don't think he's really what this team needed. Yeah, I agree. And we might talk a little bit more about that later in terms of his immediate replacement, which is Jeremy Kendall, which is an, another fascinating story given he's not fit to play right now, but also longer term what. The club's got in mind, so we might save that for a bit later. But our votes for for that game, as you said, it wasn't easy. But in the end, thanks to Premier Wine Tours, we went one vote Alex Majonra, who probably was the, the biggest positive to come out of the game, two votes again Sunday Detch, and then three votes Daniel Johnson. But just on Madronria quickly. Without Sloan there, um, there was a few minutes there for him, and, and it wasn't a night of a lot of positives, but, but he was one of them. 
Uh, and, I, and I make this point often, you know, you've got to be ready to take your chances when yeah. they're presented to you. And uh, I said the same in the uh, post-game interview a couple of weeks back when we won an overtime and Brendan Tees had been sitting there the whole night and came on and, and made mm-hmm. a crucial defensive play and a couple of crucial baskets. And it's not easy to do when you've been sitting on your backside, mm-hmm. you know, for two hours to be able to come on and make that impact. And, and, and same with Alex. He, he's hardly played this year, but, uh, you know, the minutes presented themselves with Sloan being out and, and he made made every uh, post a winner. So, yeah, really happy for him. And uh, once again, goes back, only plays three minutes last night. And, and you know, that's the life of a rookie, you know. You, you're going to have to be ready to take the opportunities when they present themselves. And who knows what happens with, with injury or, or anything around the corner, um, foul trouble. you just got to be ready to make the most when you can. And he certainly did that. Let's get to last night's game now because there's a lot of positives to talk about from the trip to Brisbane, as I said at the start. The first road game for the season for the 36ers, and they, they made the most of it. Um, they didn't start that great. It wasn't a, it wasn't a pretty first quarter. It might not have been a, a pretty game overall, but the 36ers were the ones that found a way what was working for them, and that was by going inside to Isaac Humphreys and, and Daniel Johnson, and it, and, it, and it worked unbelievably well. If you have a look at what they did um, as a duo, they ended up with, between them, 45 points for the game, 18 rebounds, 4 assists, 6 block shots, and they shot the ball really well, really efficiently. 19 of 33 from the field between them, 2 of 4 from the, the three-point line between them. That was as dominant a performance from a pair of big men that I think you're ever likely to see. And thanks to Humphrey's defense, it was at both ends of the floor too. Oh, absolutely. It was, uh, like, like you said, it wasn't a great start. Uh, Isaac had our first eight points, yeah. but I, I was really concerned during that first quarter and we... Yeah, we went back to, uh, you know, giving up too many second shots, which has been a bit of a problem in games this year. But, uh, you know, once the second quarter got rolling, they, they really found a way to... Uh, they answered just about everything that Brisbane uh, threw at us. I, I, I must admit, as a 36er man, I, I was I was happy to see Hodgson not playing. Uh, you know, that would have given them that extra big body, you know, to throw against us, uh, you know, throw against our big boys. And uh, as Hodgson tends to do, another five fouls. But once again, it gives that it gives that seven footer. And, uh, you know, they were just horribly undersized with, with guys like Law trying to guard against, uh, yeah. you know, our, our, our two big boys and uh, was never going to end well. And uh, yeah, they're, they're certainly going to have to make some adjustments because, you, you know, the way that Isaac Humphreys is playing, you know, bar that, uh, you know, that last game versus Sydney is, uh, yeah, he'd be, he'd be throwing a, a lot of uh, fear into opposition coaches at the moment. And DJ took a little while to get rolling, but uh, yeah, look, it's it's a beautiful thing. And uh, once again, I, I made the comment during the game last night that the thing I'm, I enjoy most about Isaac Humphreys' game at the moment is his defensive ability yeah. and his yeah. and his ability to not just block shots. I mean, six block shots is incredible in anybody's language, but you know, that's when you have that sort of presence, uh, you're going to change a lot of shots, exactly. and yep. and people aren't going to put up some shots because they're going to be they're, they're too afraid of going in there amongst the trees. So uh, you know that that's a that's a real luxury for uh, any coach to have. And uh, I thought you know those two guys obviously were were excellent, but everyone played their role last yep. night. I thought uh, you know Sunday did his thing. Uh, you know he had nine rebounds, which yeah. is uh, was sort of I think has been a little bit overlooked. You know Giddy hasn't got confidence in his in his jump shot at the moment and, and no, seems but to be he taking, had an assist still. 
Yeah, but he, but he, you know, when he plays at speed and you know his ability to get the ball to the right players, uh, uh, you know, I, I had him in my votes last night. I, I think Jack McVeigh's minutes were, were great. Yeah. I thought he, he, you know, he came on and gave energy and uh, uh, you know really give, gave the whole team a lift. And uh, I, I thought just everyone sort of at the right time, you know, did did what they had to do. Uh, you know, the only only guy I guess who. Who was a bit disappointing was was Keanu Pinder, and he's still finding his way at the moment, and and didn't play in the second half. But uh, yeah, we're certainly going to need you know going forward. We're certainly going to need something from him. I mean, that's he, he's our third big. You know, if one of one of DJ or Isaac Humphries gets into foul trouble or, or isn't having a good game, you know, we 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 can't keep relying on having uh, you know undersized four men like Jack McVay, which yeah. is what Pris- what was what Brisbane were trying to do last night. Yeah. That's that can work in a in a short term, but not uh, not in the long run, I don't think. Yeah, you're exactly right. I thought as good as the two big fellas were, and that's obvious, I thought what was most exciting was that everyone else played their role. Even Tony Crocker, you know, had his moments, he still had eleven points and and I think that's what we can probably expect from him. He's not the sort of guy that's going to be a big scorer, but if he's if he's taking ten shots a game, making half of them, making himself dangerous and spreading the floor, I think I think that's a pretty good role for him. If he can average somewhere between you know ten and twelve points, that's that's a, that's probably okay from the role he'll be playing. I, you know, Josh Giddy clearly needs to get some confidence in his shooting, but outside of that, he's the way he's like you said, Connor Henry wants the pace pushed on this team, and that's why Donald Sloan's gone because he wasn't capable of doing that. So that's what Josh Giddy's doing right now. You know, Sunday had his hands full with Nathan Sobey, but he did what he could, and he made himself a threat offensively too. And, you know, nine rebounds and three steals and three assists meant that he contributed well. Jack McVeigh, I thought he made himself dangerous too, like you said. Brendan Tease gave some good minutes, and, yeah, there was so much to like like about it. But going back to Isaac Humphreys quickly, basketball across the world right now is going away from, from the big man that can play like he plays. We see seven-footers now that basically live at the three-point line, but... That's what makes Isaac so fantastic right now because he's willing to play physically. He wants to go and block shots and he wants to go and stop people driving to the lanes and he wants to he wants to make those guards petrified of actually driving the ball and going to the basket. And how good is it to see a big guy actually wanting to play like that still? It is. And, and, and I, I thought last night, you know, I, I was nervous every time he was off the court and he was... Yeah. He was huffing and puffing a couple of times there, and uh, you know it's probably probably a little bit warmer and a little bit more humid up there. But I think I'm not saying he's not in good shape. But like mm. I, I thought that you know those times he didn't did obviously need a couple of minutes spell. You, you know was when you know I got nervous. You know I just felt that they they had a chance to get back in the game every time he was sitting. But uh, yeah, when he was on the floor, that they had no answer. And uh, you know they're certainly you know Andre's you know good mate of mine, but he's he's got a couple of players there. They're going to need to pull their fingers out of their ass, mate. Uh, there, there's a couple of passengers there, and probably reasonably well paid passengers last night that uh, mm. probably need to go to the house of mirrors and have a bit of a hard look at themselves because they uh, has some people that really. Really didn't perform well that and once again that you know we always say it the best thing that the Brisbane Bullets have now is they get two days to wipe that what that happened last night away yeah. you know they come back here they're on a plane today they get here tomorrow night and they have an opportunity to, to correct those wrongs so the, the worst thing would happen if they didn't have a game for another week you know to sit there and probably be made to watch that tape a thousand times yeah. and yeah. Uh, uh, this is the best case scenario for the Bullets so that from a 36er point of view, you've got to be concerned about that because, 
you know, any any professional that's worth his salt uh, going to come out with you know, smoke coming out of their ears mm. tomorrow night and trying to trying to right those wrongs. There's some amazing numbers from the bullets side of things from that from that game, and I think the 34% they shot from the field was the lowest that they've shot since the the franchise returned to the NBL. What was it? Four four or five years ago now, and some of the players, Vic Law, who's had a really good season, he went four of fourteen. Orlando Johnson, their second import, two of eleven. He he doesn't look like he's offering what they they need as as a, as an import. Anthony Drummond didn't really get into the game. He only only had the had the six points and only took four shots. Jason Kadee only went two of two of eight. And boy, some of his defense on Josh Giddy left a, a fair bit to be desired. And Harry Froling hasn't quite had the impact he would have hoped in Brisbane either. He went one of eight and only, only the two points on the night. There's a lot of familiar faces there to Adelaide fans, but. The, the good thing is they played so badly on, on Saturday night. The bad thing is they, they have a chance, as you said, now to bounce back on Monday. Absolutely, and, and if you've been if you've been away for a couple of years, you you could, you'd think you're watching a glorified 36 of training session with uh, <laughs> yeah, with a, you know my my eldest daughter last night was going oh I know him I know him I know yeah. him yeah like it was just uh, so many familiar faces and uh, but you know outside of Nathan Sobey they they didn't have any winners last night and no. and, he, and even Sobey I think got worn down towards the end of the game and yeah he was asked to carry a huge burden last night and, and was fantastic through three quarters and yeah. uh, I. I just think you know he he needs some of the pressure taken off of him, and uh, big thing to be asked to you know be the point guard, you know be the leading scorer in the league, you know defend the best player in the opposition. It's it's a big ask, and uh, you you know I, I I still think he's better at the at the two spot. I think when he. Yeah. Can get the ball on the on the you know get the ball out in transition and get on the rim. He's uh, he's as good as anyone in the competition. But but once again, that's yeah he'll he'll st- he'll still be tough to stop tomorrow night. He's still going to have to be one of our main main targets. But uh, you know if we can control the other guys, uh, yeah I, I fully expect. And this will sound like a bloody obvious suggestion but I fully expect us to win tomorrow night you know because I think we're a better team than what they are you know and and I'm not saying that on the back of last night I thought that before going into that last night's game when you look at the two teams I think we're we're a better team than what they are but what scares me as I just mentioned before is that they have a very very quick turnaround opportunity to make things right so we're gonna have to be uh, we can certainly can't go in with any complacency tomorrow night. No, absolutely not. And um, we saw that the home home court doesn't guarantee anything in that last last game against the Sydney Kings either. So we can't afford to just expect coming home and everything will be will be rosy. But yeah, there's a lot to like about that. So we just need to keep repeating that performance. We know we've got another import to come and and somebody that can make the team even more dangerous. And if it takes some of the pressure off the two big fellas, then it makes the team the team even better. Um, now last week, as we said, it wasn't a great game, but we still. Put our votes out there for, for our listeners to vote on the the player of the week, thanks to Australian Motors Mitsubishi. And it was actually a close call in the end, Scott. Daniel Johnson just ended up pipping Sunday debts from the from the listeners' votes. And what we'll do now on Sixes Fix is we'll put those listeners into the draw and we'll pick out a winner and the lucky winner will will win the special prize pack thanks to Australian Motors Mitsubishi. So here we go, Scott. We'll give the drum roll a go once again. And it drops off into the ocean again, as you as you have noticed. But here we go. We'll announce that's the winner. A, that's a that's a sick drum roll, mate. That starts <laughs> off alright, but doesn't finish all that well, does it? Uh, it? It doesn't. But we've we've put the names into into the hat, Scott. And here we go. We've got a winner, thanks to the the listeners that voted. 
and it is Lauren. Lauren voted on Twitter. She voted for Daniel Johnson, and she now, as a result, gets to win the prize pack from Australian Motors Mitsubishi, which has proven popular with our listeners so far. So we'll get in touch with you, Lauren, and we'll we'll work out a way to, to get that to you. But thanks for listening. Thanks for voting, and... And, and thanks to Australian Motors Mitsubishi, Scott, one of your one of your favourite companies in, in Adelaide to, for making this possible. Very much so. Uh, shout out to Dylan Nunn uh, from Australian Motors Mitsubishi. And uh, in particular, uh, he's been kind enough to invite uh, young Brett and myself into their box tomorrow night for the game. So uh, we're very much looking forward to that. And uh, we actually... Went and met with him during the week. Brett's looking at uh, buying a new car, and obviously, where else would you go but Australian mm. Motors Mitsubishi? So, um, yeah, we're, we're very much looking forward to catching up with uh, Dylan and all the folk there in the box tomorrow night and uh, drinking some of his red wine, that's for sure. <laughs> excellent, <laughs> excellent. So, sounds good. I'm sure you'll both have a, have a great, great time. So, again, thanks to Australian Motors Mitsubishi. And now let's keep moving on, Sixers Fix, because it's time to catch up with someone who's playing with the enemy right now. He's playing at the South East Melbourne Phoenix, but he built a, a very very good career in his four years in Adelaide. Captained the team to a grand final. Let's hear from Adam Gibson here on Sixers Fix, thanks to Sports Card World. Okay, back here on Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis and a, a treat for our listeners this week with a former captain of the club, a current opposition player. He he actually actually lit up the entertainment centre when he was in Adelaide last, so it's a it's a pleasure in some ways to have him on a 36ers show, but in some ways the 36ers fans might be waiting for him to retire before they fully celebrate him. But Adam Gibson, thanks for joining us here on Sixers Fix with, with Scott Ninnis. Unfortunately, Scotty's not with us, but that, that probably means we can talk a bit more about him. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, Adelaide definitely is a special place that I do hold close to my heart. I haven't been there for four years, but it's always good to go in and uh, score a lot of points against him. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's a great place to play and um, a great club. That's why we wanted to have you on. You were a former captain of the club. You had four great years at the... It might have been five years, wasn't it? Oh, three, three, good at, three good out of four, probably. Yeah, so four good years. You got to a grand final. You, you captained the team to a, to, a, to a grand final. And, you know, a lot of people in Adelaide still have really fond memories of your time there, including Scotty, which is why he wanted us to, to get you on the show. But most recently, that second game you played in Adelaide... You caught fire, Kyle Adam caught fire, Kiefer Sykes caught fire. It was, would have been nice to, to leave Adelaide with a, with a win. Yeah, first of all, with Scotty and like Marzi and all those old guys, it's great to come back and see all those faces. Uh, I think that's one great thing about the club in Adelaide is how they, they support and always welcome back past players. But yeah, this, the second game was obviously good for us. We, we feel like we messed up in game one with two overtimes and a lot of missed free throws. So to come out in game two and yeah, I caught fire for a little bit. Keith obviously played well. Cole's been playing well the whole season. So we really needed that win and, and we're definitely glad we got it. Even though they weren't cheering for you, is it still nice to play in front of 7,000 fans in, in Adelaide? Well, right now it's great to play in front of any fans, yeah. but I, I always enjoy playing in front of Adelaide. Definitely, as a as a home team player, um, the support that they give is is pretty cool and just a great atmosphere. So I think the new venues worked really well for them as well. So yeah, anytime I feel super comfortable going back there to play, I haven't played there for four years, but um, yeah, it's good being on the other side as well. You would have spent about a week back in Adelaide, probably the longest you've spent spent in Adelaide since you since you left left the club. Was, was it nice to reacquaint yourself with some some familiar faces? It actually was. Um, I wish we stayed longer. We we finished our second game and then we came to Perth, but we had like two or three days in between. So oh. I was kind of hoping the club changed our schedule so we could stay longer. <laughs> I, I loved Adelaide. We got time to, to go down to the beach in Henley and Glenelg, and uh, it's just super easy to to live in and move around in Adelaide. So I love being there for for the whole week. Um, 
definitely made being away from home um, a lot easier. Obviously, Mitch primed himself to to have big games back back in Adelaide as well, especially his first game. That thirty point game he had was was enormous. Um, how do you think he feels about Adelaide still? Well, he definitely loves playing there. Mm. I think he, he definitely averages some great numbers. Um, I think there's still some bitterness with whatever happened with him leaving and whatnot, but he, he loves that place. I think he spent eight years there mm. maybe. So the people around there, same as me going back and seeing past, you know, team managers and players and fans and whatever, um, he loves it just as much as I do, I think. When you look back on your time in Adelaide, I mean, you had... You started your career at Brisbane and you won a championship there, so obviously you have great memories there. At the Dragons, you have great memories because you won a championship as well. Um, at Gold Coast, I think you really enjoyed your time there and you, you were close to a championship. You got to Adelaide, though, and it wasn't always great years, but in a lot of ways, was that the prime of your career? Do you feel like those years were some of your, your best years individually as a, as a player? I feel like I'm coming into my prime now. Yeah, but, well, uh, well, the way you're playing <laughs> no, right no, now, no. you actually are. Yeah, definitely. Um, the first year in Adelaide was rough. Like Our group obviously wasn't... As high standard, and we, we didn't win too many games. But then when Joey came in, and that second year when we made it to the grand final was a great year. Um, certainly, I think my role then was a lot more. I was able to, to take more shots and be more assertive on that end. You know, I kind of like to pick and choose when I take shots and be more aggressive. So definitely, I think I've had some of my bigger games um, in Adelaide for sure. Even the second year, uh, the third year when Jamal was there, um, he got injured a few games and just being able to step into that role and... Um, I just found it super easy to play, I think, in Adelaide. Obviously, Joey's system I was familiar with, having played with him for a whole bunch of years before that. So, yeah, definitely some great years. I just wish we had have, you know, won that grand final. It would have been awesome to beat Perth, you know, in Perth and, and win that because game two in Adelaide was one of the best atmospheres I've ever played in front of in that grand final game too. It's the closest in hindsight that the 36ers have really got to a championship since since the glory days when Scott Ninnis was still, in, still involved and Brett Maher was still running around. What do you think it would have meant if you won that championship? Do you sometimes think that, gee, it would have been nice to go back to Adelaide and, and find out what it was like to celebrate? Oh, for sure. I think just the way they get behind their sport. Obviously, AFL is the biggest and, you know, two teams. The Crows are obviously number one. But the support we had and I always watch back the videos of that game too, just hitting shots and just hearing the crowd. So they get, they get right behind us as a team. Uh, obviously, when we're losing games, they're not so happy. <laughs> but that just shows how passionate they are. And they turn up every game. And we had great crowds that year. And it would have been awesome to, to carry that um, cup off the plane and, and just see who was there waiting at the plane and whatever. But obviously, it didn't happen. We were super close and, you know, 40 minutes away from it. But it's just kind of how, how it goes. You mentioned Joey. And you've had so much of your success in your career under, under Joey and well, as far as I know, you're still close, close with him as well. I mean, it was a remarkable way that his time ended at the 36ers um, at the end of last season. From an outsider, what did you make of it? And have you had a chance to catch up with Joey since? I definitely have kept in contact with Joey. I haven't talked to him about the exit from there and whatever. Mm. Obviously, it seemed like it was a bit of a shit show. Mm. Um, you know, there was a, it seemed like a fair divide between you know players and coaching staff and um, he's obviously been there for a long time and done incredible things. You know the the amount of players he's given careers to and really helped him flourish. I think it's unspeakable and, and what he's done for the NBL. So um, he deserves a lot more recognition. And I don't feel like he should have gone out with all that you know kind of rubbish going on. Um, I don't know the ins and outs at all because I haven't really asked him about it. But just what he's done for for sport there, and he's still doing it now. You know he's working his own transition sports programs. The work he does for the kids is is amazing. And the best thing about Joe is it's not 
just the best players he puts time into. He spends more, probably more time with you know the, the lower players. And like I said, the amount of players he's given careers to and helped them um, be great NBL players, it's, it's pretty special. Now, of the past players you would have dealt with in your time in Adelaide, out of Scott Ninnis and Brett Maher, who had the biggest impact when you were there? Uh, for me, it was Marzi, you know, being around Marzi a lot more. Um, Ninny wasn't there too much in my time. Obviously, was at games and whatnot, but, you know, Marzi was there. He was emceeing events and, yeah, I, I mean, I grew up watching Marzi a little bit as well, um, playing that position. We both have really bad calves and um, <laughs> a lot of similar things. So, yeah, Marzi for sure, but, um, you know, every time I go back there and see Ninny and those guys, it's, it's great just to see him and have a quick chat. Are you amazed how quickly Marzi's hair's gone white? It's remarkable how white it is right now. Well, I feel like when I left, a year later, he stopped using that <laughs> washing Coles, Woolworths, <laughs> hair colour, dye, whatever it was, and he's, he's kind of unrecognisable now. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I guess he was either sick of buying the stuff or sick <laughs> of dyeing it, but uh, it is pretty funny to see him now. He looks so different. But I think it's also awesome. I don't know what their involvement is, but the, how they're back running community stuff for the club, I think it's, it's pretty cool. Have you been on one of Scott's wine tours? No, nah, well, we, we were planning to organise one back when I first got there. It was Gibbo's grape tour, but it never, mm. it never went ahead. Something stopped it, and we were planning on, on organising that for fans to come and you know, go on a winery yep. and hear some stories and whatnot, but it never, t- it never, uh, it never came to fruition. So uh, maybe when I go back next time, we've got a week, I'll, I'll get him to take <laughs> me out to some winery. Now, we've got a, a prize on the show. The Player of the Year winner gets a, a free tour for four people if they if they win win the play of the year award on the show this year thanks to to scott's premium wine tours would something like that be enough to lure you back to finish your career in, Ad- in adelaide it's a fair downgrade from what you normally get i would assume like, well, uh, we, we are just a lowly podcast <laughs> now nah, well, who's who's selecting the player of the year is this like an adelaide exactly sixes? bread and scott well i would yeah i mean that's uh, it's quite enticing to spend uh you know a few days or whatever it is up there with the boys i mean if adelaide want to throw out a contract i was talking to someone <laughs> about my games played today and i think i need to play about five more years to get close to a record so mm. if the Sixers want to sign me for a five-year deal i'll happily come back <laughs> well let's wrap it up on that note because you're playing right now like you could play five more years you've started this season on fire is that because you've had some time to freshen up is it because I mean, what do you put it down to? Because you've started this season on fire. Yeah, I think I definitely feel a lot better. My calves over the last, you know, three or four years have been the biggest issues. And I guess with COVID, it gave me a lot of time and opportunity to try some things. So I had some injections, some Botox, some Hydro, uh, a whole bunch of stuff going on that I think Harley Bunnell, football player, had. So they feel better. And because of that, everything else kind of feels better. So I think just I feel better physically and it just allows me to, to run freer and jump a bit better and um, not have to think about an ankle or whatever when I shoot a ball. So maybe that's it. I'm not sure, but hopefully it, the, the little run continues for a little while longer. Yeah, let's hope so. Preferably not against the 36ers from the point of view of this show here with Sixers Fix, but you're very kind to join us. I don't know if the media staff at the Phoenix would be overly happy, so maybe we don't tell them until the show's released, but... Thanks for joining us, and I hope you get to catch up with Scott soon as well. I appreciate it, and I can't wait for my, uh, my wine tour <laughs> when that happens. Now, a big thank you to Adam Gibson for joining us for that chat on Sixers Fix, especially when he's not a 36ers player anymore. He's, he's now at the South East Melbourne Phoenix, but I hope you all enjoyed our chat with the former 36ers captain. And that was all thanks to Sports Card World, and now it's time for... 
our Ask the Coach segment, where one of our lucky listeners will win a special prize pack, an NBA Hoops box set, thanks to Sports Card World and Panini. Great, That's a great prize once again. Our Lakers Collectors Championship Edition was a big hit. We gave away five packs of those over the last three weeks, and now one of, one of these questions we give to Connor Henry will win, thanks to Sports Card World. And, of course... You can, you can check out Sports Card World at sportscardworld.com.au or head in to their store in the Regent Arcade in the Rundle Mall. It's a, it's, you just have to go and check it out in person if you get the chance. And as of right now, the first of the brand new season's NBA cards have been released. The 2021 Panini NBA Hoops set is now available in store at Sports Card World. You can have a look, have a look and try to get one of the, the rookie cards. You can get Lamelo Ball, who of course... We saw in the NBL last season. RJ Hampton we saw in the NBL. Or you can try to find James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards. Or have a look for some of the popular insert sets like High Voltage, Zero Gravity, Prime Twine, Legends of the Game. So check out the NBA Hoops current season collection at Sports Card World. And now let's have a chat to Connor Henry. Thanks to Connor Henry for joining us again here on our Ask the Coach segment on Sixers Fix. Thanks to sports card world and before we get to our listeners questions just quickly connor you must have been delighted with what you saw from the team team last night the first road game in the season and and the team played tremendously you, you found the you found the answer to go inside to the big fellas and, and they dominated but everybody else played their role as well and it must be a good feeling to now come back come back home and get ready for tomorrow night on the back of that yeah it's a good feeling we you know after the sydney game where we all felt like collectively we didn't play a, you know, a full game. It was good that we bounced back. We got contributions from everybody. I thought defensively it was one of our better games of the season. Mm. We were switched on. We knew the scout. We felt like we had a good game plan going in. Um, and then all the guys, I just felt like were in a, in a good spot. They were, they were motivated. They were calm. We wanted to bounce back from Sydney and it was, uh, it was a good result. Um, both big, Isaac and DJ, of course, played exceptional, but we've got contributions all across the yeah. team. Sunday had a, just another really nice all-around game. Points, rebounds, assists, you know, defending uh, his hard-nosed way. So, And then we got, we got some positive contributions from DZ off the bench. Yeah. And uh, Keone played some brief, tough minutes for us. Um, so all in all, uh, I'm sure I'm missing somebody there, but the, all in all, I thought we, even uh, Crocker, McVeigh, they all, all played their parts. Yeah, Croc played played exceptionally, exceptional on the defensive end. He was aggressive on the offense, looking for his shot. Um, and then Jack came in and gave us solid minutes, like he always does. And uh, uh, yeah, overall pleased. And now we've got uh, you know rest today, and we've got to come tomorrow with the mm. uh, same focus and energy. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, let's get to our listeners here, here this week again, Connor. We've got a few to, to get through, so we'll, we'll whip through them. First of all, Nate Turner. Um, obvious question to ask, but how does Coach see Jeremy Kendall fitting into the rotations? I've been, a, I've been a bit of a fan of his and believe that if he was a local, he would have been snapped up by a number of clubs already. I certainly think he can be that energy guy off the bench for us. Yeah, no question that, you know, if Jeremy was a local, he's been in country a number of years. Uh, he's married to 
and Ozzy and, mm. and they're working on pieces and things like that. But that's a long ways off. So um, he has the talent to play as an import and as a local. We're excited to have him. We'll get him through a good hit out tomorrow morning and see if he's ready to go for, for tomorrow night's game. He will suit up. Mm-hmm. But we're in no rush to throw him out there until he's absolutely ready. He had a nice workout yesterday with us uh, before the game, so he's tracking well, and uh, we're looking forward to adding him. Just on the back of that, um, Michael Murray has asked, what type of role will Jeremy Kendall play? And long-term, will you be looking for a point guard or, an, or another style of import as, it, as the long-term replacement? Well, what, what we like about Jeremy is that he can play both point and combo guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can really push the tempo of which we need. We need to play at a certain pace that allows us to get some more easy baskets in transition. We don't get a lot uh, of them. And so his ability to push the ball and, and, and make plays for us really attracted us to, to trying to get him to come in. And he understands uh, what his role will be. Um, he understands his really good grasp of of our systems already. He was really beneficial and helpful last night um, in the game in just talking with the guys, encouraging the guys, uh, pointing certain things out uh, to both Jamie and I during the game. So he's got a great basketball mind. Um, We're looking forward to getting him strong and ready to play. Excellent. Um, Sean Harford is up next, and, and he's asked, how have you seen DJ's performances as a leader, on and off the court so far this season? Well, I think I've spoken about this before in, in other interviews and possibly with you, Chris, mm. that you know, the, the impression is that DJ is somehow not a, uh, a complete leader. I don't feel that's the case at all. No. DJ's a quiet leader. He leads in certain ways that other guys on the team are, are incapable of. For example, DJ's got an elite mind. He understands system. He understands spacing. He understands what we're trying to do on the offensive end. Um, and I, I think he's demonstrated that this year he's even more of a complete player. If you watch last night's game, you know, there was numerous opportunities where DJ had a clear opening to take a shot, and he hit Josh on a backdoor layup. He hit Isaac on a deep steal. Um, and so DJ's been a willing passer. He doesn't have to score 30 for us each night. He just needs to continue to be a complete player. And that's, and that's what you're seeing with him leadership-wise. He is soft-spoken, but listen, when he speaks, guys listen. And um, last night was one of those nights where I thought he did a really good job of, of keeping us all together and using his voice and uh, helped us all to get the win. And he's articulate as well, if anyone's checked out his column that he's been doing for the, the club's website. I've, I've enjoyed his insights that he's providing there there as well. Michael Mead has asked, Isaac Humphreys has been great. What does he need to work on particularly if he is to get another crack at the NBA? Well, I don't, I don't know if there is much no. more. He's playing at such a high level right now. He's finishing. Um, at the rim, in and around with both hands. He's, uh, his mid-range jumper foul line and, and extended has improved. Uh, he hasn't taken a lot of threes, but he really has worked hard on shooting his threes in the past mm-hmm. years down in Orlando when he was there. 
He shot the ball quite well from three. So he has the ability to stretch the floor. The thing that Isaac's being in lead at right now is, is his rim protection. You know, he had another six blocks last night. I think he's averaging probably four uh, or a little over. Mm. So he gives us that big body that allows us to be a little bit more aggressive on the perimeter with Sunday and and Croc. And it helps Josh being able to Josh use his length as Josh continues to improve his defensive effort. And uh, so those are some elite things that Isaac's doing. Um, Will it translate to him getting another shot? I'm sure it will. Uh, we hope to keep him for a while, though. Yeah, let's hope so. But, but he, yeah, I mean, he's got he's got youth on his side still. He's got plenty of plenty of time to, to get another chance. And yeah, at 22, you know, he's really starting to enjoy the game. Um, his preparation on a daily basis uh, in practice, uh, when we can roll him out there, and his knees feeling good. Mm. We've been we've been able to manage his knee for the last couple of weeks. He's bouncing back each training and at each game. So playing at a really, really high level. Yeah, he absolutely looks like he's having a great time out there as well, which is which is fantastic. Um, Kyle Wood has asked, what is the team morale like at the moment with with Sloan going, Kendall coming in, and life in the in the Melbourne bubble coming up? Well, I think there's a little bit of, you know, possibly a little bit of uncertainty, uh, you know, as, you know, a week ago when, mm. when D. Sloan... Um, left and, and we were kind of transitioning into to another import uh, specifically with Jeremy um, and so that may have had something to do with us being a little flat versus Sydney yep. um, but credit to the guys uh, we really I felt rebounded this past week in our preparation we had discussed um, you know the bubble coming up and how we're going to prepare for that I think we've been preparing for the bubble for quite a long time, really since July. You know, there's been a lot of uncertainty with with every club. And uh, we've tried to just handle that uncertainty on a daily basis. Can we train? Can we travel? How COVID's affecting everything? Now, some teams have had it tougher than than we have. We've been fortunate to be at home. But uh, our preparation work-wise has been very good. Mm -hmm. We feel like when we get to the bubble, Whenever that is, if that is next week, if, yeah. if it's still, um, you know, are we traveling Wednesday or is it going to be postponed a couple of days? I think we're still waiting on really a, a direction on that. So we feel good where we're at. Uh, we've, we, you know, we've done a lot of the shared experiences, both good and bad, over these last four months, which I think will help us once we get to the to the bubble and start playing really multiple games every week. Mm. Okay, last one, Connor, and this is a bit of a, a light-hearted one to finish. It comes from Lee. He's asked, what, what do you do in between games to recover your voice? It, it's clear, it, it was clear today, and it's clear right now as you talk to us, but on game day, it's becoming quite famous that it's, it's getting a little bit croaky, a little bit husky croaky, as Lee puts it. Yeah, it gets kind of croaky. Uh, <laughs> it, recovers, it recovers next day. Yeah. Today's a little bit still hoarse and rough, but... Um, no, I'm trying to manage my voice, believe it or not, and not be so animated. Um, there are times that I have to go there and I have to be able to reach guys out on the court when they can't hear me, when it's loud. Even in the huddles, at times it's quite loud, and uh, and so I've got to go there. And then 
And then the other time, I've got to lay off the referees at times and and, uh, and manage my voice. But uh, it's all for a good point and uh, trying to keep the guys rolling and motivated and, and, and on point on everything that we're trying to do. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, thanks again for, for bringing a good sport here with us here. Connor, one of those listeners will win a special prize thanks to Sports Card World, and we look forward to seeing you back in action with the team tomorrow night. Appreciate it, Chris. Talk to you next week. See you, buddy. Okay, back on Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis, and, and I hope you all enjoyed that chat with Adam Gibson, even if he isn't a 36er right now, and, and also some insight there from Connor Henry with the, the questions from our, from our listeners, which is proving a popular segment. But, Scott, let, let's go back to the news that came out la- last weekend about Donald Sloan parting ways. I don't, think he, I don't think he turned out to be the player that Connor and the coaching staff was expecting. He could shoot the ball, ball still pretty well. He was making his shots, but Connor in this system wants players to push the pace. He wants the ball moving. He doesn't want players holding onto it and trying to create their own shot. He wants, he wants sort of an equal opportunity offense in a lot of ways where the ball's moving a lot. And more importantly, he needs somebody that can create off the dribble and get past his defender. I don't think, unfortunately, Donald showed that he could do that at, at any point. So it probably ended up being a no-brainer that he just wasn't the player that, that this team needed. Oh, absolutely. And, 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 you know, it sounds like he wasn't happy with his role and coming off the bench. Well, here's a clue. Present yourself in shape and come ready to play, you know. Exactly. if uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's... Uh, I don't think anyone's overly disappointed that he's uh, that he's gone. And, and, and I think, you know, picking up someone like Kendall in, in the short term... You, you know, you know he's going to bring energy and, and, and be a good fit for the team. It's, uh, you know, I think initially people were like, you know, that's the best we can do. But if you understand the circumstances, you know, it had to be someone that was in the country and, and it had to be someone someone ready to go. So, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be happy to play his role and come off the bench and, uh, you know, assuming bubble uh, goes ahead you know like there's uh, I guess there's a bit of nervousness with what's going on in Melbourne at the moment but yeah. um, you know I think he's a great short-term gap he'll just be happy to you know fill the spots wherever he's needed yeah I totally agree I, I really like him I mean I I have spoken to him a few times before he said he's a great person which is which is important you want someone that's not going to come in and disrupt your culture and actually adds to your culture which is what he, what he'll do but on the court he plays the way that Connor wants his guards to play. He, he He's quick. He'll push the ball. He'll push the pace. He'll get other guys involved. And if he needs to take the open shot, he'll, he'll be able to, to take it. So I think he, he provides exactly what, what's needed. Um, and he actually, he's in shape and he knows what's going on because if you if you remember back to those preseason games where the Bullets came to play in Adelaide way back in November, he was actually part of the Bullets team before their their imports had arrived this season. So he, you know, he knows what's going on. So he's He's pretty much ready to go, and we expect him to to suit up and play at least some minutes now on on Monday night. I like him. I, I like him a lot, mate. Like, like you said, he's not a superstar. You know, I know Andre rates him highly, and and mm-hmm. you know, if, if Andre rates you, that that's good enough for me. You know, like he's uh, he's going to come in and just do his thing in, in whatever minutes he gets, and. Uh, uh, like you said, he's not going to be a, a problem around the team. He's going to come in. He's going to work his backside off, and uh, uh, just gives us that extra body, you know, going into the, this bubble situation. And uh, obviously, there's 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 someone with uh, some fairly high credentials uh, waiting in the wings for when uh, you know when we get back to 
what hopefully is then a, a normal, uh, mm. whatever normal is these days, uh, normal home and away season. Yeah, absolutely. So we are expecting a full-time import replacement at some stage, but in this pandemic world right now, it's it's not, an, not a quick process to get somebody out into the country. So that's why the Kendall signing is so important in the short term because it could be up to a month before before we're able to get somebody out into the country because there's a lot of issues. You've got to firstly find find a flight for them to get get from the US into Australia, which is which is hard right now because there's there's very few flights internationally coming into the country and most of those are filled up by returning Australian citizens trying to get home. So there's not there's actually not many options. So it's gonna be it's gonna take some time to find a flight for for the player. And then obviously once he gets into the country he's gonna to have to go into quarantine for two weeks and then you would think he needs at least a week of training to actually get settled into the group before he can play. So I think we're, I think you're right. I think we're probably looking either right at the end of the, the bubble in Melbourne or perhaps when when that's over before we can actually expect that player to, to be ready to play. Yeah, mate, who knows? It's just a, <laughs> uh, such a such a fluid situation and things are changing so quickly. But, yeah, they, they've obviously got some unsorted. Uh, but then, as you just mentioned, there, there's that whole process that we need to go through to uh, to, to, to get them here and, and get them settled in. And like you said, it's, you know, you just don't step out of two weeks of quarantine and, and you know, flight like that and be ready to play. So, yeah. well, I, I, I would imagine that they're... They've probably got it, uh, got him targeted for when the bubble finishes. But but once again, who who knows, mate? Who knows? We'll just. Uh, I think we just wait and see what happens, and uh, yeah, we go from there. Okay. Now we're looking forward to Monday night back at the Entertainment Centre, back against the Bullets. What are you expecting from this game, Scott? What does what do the Thirty Sixers need to do to make sure that they can replicate what they did did last night? Well, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, it's it's uh, you know we're going to have confidence, but you don't want that to develop into overconfidence. I mean, if you you know sometimes it's just natural. You have a game like that where you you, you kick someone's ass to think, oh well, that's now we move home. Uh, but we all know that that that's not how how it works, and mm. uh, they just got to come out. They got to come out ready to play at the start of the game, not giving up you know offensive rebounds. You know, not giving up easy baskets, not letting Nathan Sobey get going, or at least making making every shot he makes difficult for him. So, you know, it doesn't bother me if they're, you know, if they're down at quarter time, if they come out and they they match the intensity that Brisbane you would imagine would have to bring. Yeah, I think that the start is really key. You know, get the ball through hands. Get everyone a good touch, and um, yeah, just quell any uh, any emotion that Brisbane are going to bring to the game, and just match them with intensity. And I think we'll be all right because once again, I don't see how if we play a game, how they're going to match up. I, I don't know what Hodgson's situation is, but you know, like if if he's out again, or that they, you would imagine they're going to have the same sort of issues. Yeah, well, I wanted to ask about that. If if Hodgson does play. What does that change for, for Adelaide? Do you do you still focus on going inside to the big fellas the same as you did? And as we, as we know, he's he's he can block shots and he's a better defender, but he's also you know prone to fouls. Do you change your approach at all if Hodgson plays? If you're Connor Henry? Oh, not at all. In fact, mm. you you'd probably go to him more because, like you said, he he's never met a foul that he uh, <laughs> doesn't hasn't committed. But it, but he he is. But he's a good player and he's a yep. really important player for that Bullets lineup. So I, I think it, it their matchups automatically become better you know he, he's a shot blocker as well so you know it's not just you know not doesn't necessarily mean just we go to them it's going to make 
you know, life more difficult for Isaac and DJ. So, but I, I certainly don't think we, we we've seen what our strengths are. We've seen what DJ and Isaac uh, can do as a combination. But it just squares things up a little bit better for Brisbane. They don't have, you know, someone that's massively undersized. Uh, you know, having to guard a DJ, for example. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, that that's that's a really important key. You know, to get him back into the lineup uh, sooner rather than later. How important do you think it is tomorrow night? Because if you have a look at it, a win and the, the Sixers go to 6-3, six and three, and I think from this first patch of the season, you would well and truly take 6-3. and three. But the difference between 6-3 and three and 5-4, and four, considering eight of those nine games have been at home, is, is pretty big. How important do you think tomorrow night is? Absolutely huge. I cannot say this enough. This this game tomorrow night to go into that bubble six and three because I actually think that as a group, you know, and and Brett and I had a lot to do with this group. There's a there's a good bunch of guys who get on really well. I actually think they'll travel well. I actually mm-hmm. think you know getting away as a team and going to that bubble. I, I think they can they can you know really flourish in that. And as we've seen in bubble situations, I mean you saw it in the NBA last year. There were there were some players and some teams that just did not handle that at yeah. all well. And you'll see the same with this bubble in the NBL. There'll be some teams that don't handle it well. I think, uh, like, poor old New Zealand. I mean, you know, they'd be going, you know, are we ever going to go home? You know, it'd be interesting to see how they handle it. But I yep. think we've been really, really fortunate to, to have these home games. I think you need to go into it six and three because then if there is a hiccup here and there, we can cover it. Five yep. and four, you, you're sort of on that knife's edge again. Um, United, are, you know, they, they're, they're going to be in the playoffs. I say it every week. Perth are going to be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're a team that will benefit from the bubble as well because they're – you know, there are a bunch of guys there that have been winning away from home for many, many years yeah. and know how to do it. You know, I know Illawarra have dropped a couple of games now, but they're, they're still on the right side of the ledger. So I think going in six and three for us sets us up, for, you know, for, to really be in a hunt for a playoff position at the end of the year. Five and four, you, you're back in that mix where, uh, you know, you, you, you know, a couple of mistakes and, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're chasing your tail again. So I, I think tomorrow night's huge. Uh, I, I think it's a must win and, and uh, it, it's a win that we should get. Now, just just quickly, using your crystal ball, Mel, the whole of Victoria's in lockdown right now and they're about to welcome all nine NBL clubs into, into the state for the next four or five weeks. Does the bubble in the NBA Cup end up going on as, as planned and do we get through this whole tournament unscathed or do we get hiccups or what does your crystal ball ball tell you about it? Oh, wait. It's a bit like the, Australian, it's a bit like the Australian Open. I mean, mm. it, you know, it, to me, that's ridiculous that that went ahead. I mean, I, yeah. I understand it's all about money and that, but you're seeing now that now what's happening now, you can't play in front of crowds. Mm-hmm. It makes a bit of a mockery about it. It's different with with basketball, I suppose. But and and I understand going to Melbourne, but. You know, I'd much rather see this bubble in Queensland or South Australia or Western Australia, where we we have just haven't had the problems that yeah. Melbourne had, and that's it, and it's unfortunate for Melbourne. I've got a you know a huge amount of friends and family over there. You just feel feel gutted for them, but it's uh, now we're going to send nine teams here and just mm. just hope that it uh, hope that it works out. It's uh, uh, I've got my fingers crossed, but it, it obviously is fraught with danger, and uh, let's just hope that uh, you know we get. Through through this next six weeks or so. Yeah, no, nobody has the answers, obviously, so we'll just have to have to wait and see and, and hold our breaths. But 
But here on Sixers Fix, Scott, this has been another good show, and I and I'm glad that we've done it done it this way in between the two games against the Brisbane Bullets. So we're looking forward to tomorrow night back at the Entertainment Centre now. So thanks to Adam Gibson for joining us, and obviously thanks to Connor Henry for giving up his time as well, and thanks to our our supporters, thanks to Premium Wine Tours for bringing the Player of the Year award to us, thanks to Australian Motors Mitsubishi for bringing us the Player of the Week, thanks to All Star Photos for being our being our great supporters of our review and preview segments and well Scott why don't you why don't you leave us with our MVP votes from last night because there was a, a lot to like as we've talked about about that performance Scott yeah well I wasn't able to watch the game with uh, Brett Maher last night but we did collaborate afterwards and uh, uh, three votes to Isaac Humphries which won't come as a shock to anybody two to uh, Daniel Johnson which also won't come as a shock <laughs> to anybody. And we gave the one vote to Josh Giddy, who we thought uh, you know, was great in his time as well. Oh, fantastic. And that leaderboard is fascinating between DJ and Isaac, and I imagine it's going to stay that way throughout the rest of the season. So we'll keep our eyes on that. And, and there's a big prize up for grabs, thanks to Premium Wine Tours, for both the winning player and also our winning listener here on the show. So thanks for that, Scott. And we'll wrap up for this week, and I'll give you the last words looking ahead to tomorrow night. Uh, well, mate, I'll be I'll be watching the game from the Australian Motors Mitsubishi box and uh, fully expect to win. Uh, you know, it, it is danger game cliches. I mean, of course, it's a danger game, but uh, yeah, that two day turnaround for Brisbane is going to be exactly what the doctor ordered for them. So we're going to have to be uh, ready to play and come out and get uh, get to six and three.